And Mrs. Luscious Lips, and and the way relationships tend to go is that um, you, if you actually get attracted to someone else, you get this huge dose of a of a hormone called romance. When romance hits, you kind of come together, and and you notice that those people who are in that romantic stage, they're always together. They travel everywhere. This works at a friendship level. This works at all different kinds of levels. Yeah, but then you notice when you spend enough time with them, after a period of time, you you tend to notice other people's um, bad habits or annoying habits. Or, or maybe they interrupt you or maybe they smell a little bit different. Or maybe you notice after a while that they're not the same as you and so you can tend to bump one another, yeah? Because the romance wears off the relationship at time. They're not as perfect as what you thought they were and so you can tend to... And when you bump one another, beads start to come out of you. In fact, if you're one of the persons, you look at the other person and say, you know what, you've got all this stuff coming out of you. I had no idea it was there, and it is bad. You need to fix that stuff, yeah? But the other person's looking at you saying the same thing. I had no idea, and then I've got to know you, and then there's some bad stuff in there you need a fix. And what we tend to do in our relationships, whatever they are, we tend to minimize our own stuff and we maximize their stuff. If you notice this, we call this blaming. Yeah. So the question we're left with last week is, well, what's my stuff? Now, you think this, this stuff doesn't really happen? I, I remember a, a Mrs. Luscious Lips and a Mr. Mustache who went shopping for the first time after they were married, weeks after. After they'd got back from Fiji, actually, from their honeymoon. And Mr. Mustache and Mrs. Luscious Lips were walking down the aisle of the supermarket and they went shopping. And it came to the time where they're going to shop for canned tinned fruit. And they got to the aisle where there was the canned tinned fruit with all the selections. And Mr. Mustache, as he did, he reached for his normal SPC brand. What did Mrs. Luscious Lips do? She reached in an entirely different place. She reached down to the bottom because that was where the no-name brand was. Right there. What's you doing that for? Reaching for that cheap stuff that tastes terrible and bland. What are you reaching up there for? That stuff's so expensive and it's made out of the same factory anyway. It's just badged differently. Why are you doing that? That's just ridiculous. Everyone knows that it tastes terrible. What are you, are you saying? Uh, I'm terrible? No, I'm not saying that you're terrible, but your mother probably taught you that. Ooh. <laughs> well, your mother probably taught you that too. That's why you're reaching for the, 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 the name brand up there and you're spending so much more time up there. Right there in the aisle, aisle three of Woolworth, Woolworths, of Wilds or Coles. It's so easy to make war, isn't it? And get out of sync. Spilling beads everywhere. What's your stuff? What is your stuff? The truth is we all have suitcases in whatever relationships we have. I was talking to one couple. <laughs> know them well. They said, you know what? We had a Christmas tree. 
We had a Christmas tree that was a plastic Christmas tree, and we set that thing up because we love celebrating Christmas. We got there, we celebrated Christmas, and we had it all up, and then Christmas came and went. And the tree was there. And they said, you should take that down. And they went, no, no, I shouldn't take it down. You should take it down. I said, no, no, I think you should take it down. And I said, you should take it down. And how long that thing stayed up for? 365 days. <laughs> Christmas came around again. That's your stuff. That's your stuff. Hey, it's all my stuff. You know what they decided to do after that? Someone took the higher road and took the Christmas tree down. And now they get a real one. So they have to get rid of it and can't wait around for 365 days. You know, there's some other reasons why we get out of sync in our relationships, why it's so easy to make war. And the first one has to do with this. We can be ships in the night. I'm going to draw your picture right now. I know this is dangerous. However, <laughs> just saying. Let's say there's two people and uh, they're in a relationship or friendship together. What we find is that the, the first thing that can go wrong, get them out of sync, is that they can be like ships in the night. You know what this is about. The idea that you might have Monday nights and you go out to tennis. And you're away, whilst the other person, they're at home. But then comes Tuesday night, and they go, well, you know, I want to go out for coffee with Josie. So they go out for coffee with Josie. And, and, and then Tuesday night comes and goes, and, and then it gets to Wednesday night, and they go, actually, I need to drive one of the kids to somewhere, and they're, they're, they're dancing lessons. And so Wednesday night. And, and if this pattern continues like that, they're continually, frequently out of connection with one another. They, they can be close to one another, but they get out of sync really easy and the issue's got to do with proximity we're just actually not present at all and so what happens is we become the phrase ships in the night challenge with this or the, the solution to it is that what we need to learn to do is schedule time for one another I asked a bunch of people this week, if it wasn't you, don't be mad at me. And, and, and I asked them this simple question. What's the most meaningful way you can make time for anyone else? Work colleague, school friend, you name it. Husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, what is it? This is the list they gave them. So I'm going to have to read this out. Give them your time fully was the number one. Give them time because we're so busy. Ships in the night. Someone said, I love this. Listen for and named it 15 minutes. Not a second more, not a second less. Imagine, 15 minutes of time. Someone said, make someone food and deliver it to them. Wow, love that one. Put it up there. Have a coffee, go for a walk, enter into their space. All of those things have got to do with saying, you know what? It's so easy to make war. We know the answer is making time, but I need to schedule that time, the most powerful, effective motivating, connecting thing you can do is put time in your diary for other people. In fact, I love one person's response. They said this, to be focused on their needs, that is, purposely be aware of what would meet their need for quality time. Coffee, movie, just a chat, play in a game. And no, it wasn't you, Lindy, who sent this in. However, Gavin, remember, the time together is about them and not so much about you. 
Give them focused attention, eye contact, active listening. Let them know with your body language that you are totally present and not on an iOS device. Wow. I remember when my kids were growing up and younger, I tend to walk a little bit fast. My kids will tell you this. I walk fast. We're going shopping. I walk fast. Got to get something done. I remember walking back home and I'm talking to the kids like this, talking, 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 talking. And one of them said, Dad, I can't keep up. Slow down. And I went, all right. Let's walk at your pace. Real slow. Because this is one of those dad moments. I need to just be close, present, proximal, all of that stuff. Shift in the mind, time in the diary makes all of the difference. But what I discover, it's not just about more time. Making time involves more time. But this is what I also find is that sometimes there's couples who decide, let's schedule time. (laughs) Let's schedule. Let's have that date. And so they go, let's connect with one another in our schedules. And so what they do is they plan a date. (laughs) It's all going to be resolved in the date, isn't it? You're right there. You're right there. They're right there. Have you ever seen two people trying to connect and they haven't connected for a while? They're maybe out to dinner (laughs) and they're trying to connect. Like anything on the menu? No. What do you think you'll have? Parmajama. Will that be one or two? Two. So what are you thinking? Nothing. And in those times, you can be so filled with resentment and high expectations and because you haven't connected that they become tense times of... You know what I'm talking about, don't you? You've seen couples in that and you're like, ooh, they're trying to reconnect. A lot of stuff going on there. So what someone realizes that we need to do in those times is rather than actually build these up to be these high expectation times, there's another solution to this. And in fact, the man by the name of John Gottman who wrote one of his books and someone's recommended it here and I would do it to you, he calls it the relationship cure. He actually talks about that time is not just about more time, it's about having meaningful time along the way because proximity doesn't automatically mean you're going to connect. In fact, he goes on and unpacks and he says, the most important way that you can connect with anyone else, young or old alike, is through a connection that has some sort of emotional quality. I'm not talking about crying and tears and all of that stuff, but what he is trying to say is that we make and we seek to make connections with other people all of the time and we can often miss it along the way. He says, what we need to do is talk about meaningful time and recognize the connections and the the opportunity and the the desire for people to connect all through the mundane experiences of our lives. In fact, he calls it a bid. What's a bid? According to this man, John Gottman, PhD on relationships, he says, a bid is the fundamental unit of emotional communication. What is that? It's, it's a gesture, a question, a look, a touch, any single action that seeks to make a connection with another person, verbal or nonverbal, doesn't matter. He said, really, the stuff that makes for bonding relationships at whatever level they are has really got to do with understanding 
a fundamental unit of emotional communication and how it actually works. And so he says, good bids might happen like this. Someone asks a question. What do you think about that? And they respond. What was a high for your day today? Tell me about your day. I'm having coffee in the workplace. Would you like one too? Wow, you were amazing. You seem frustrated. You've got a smile that makes me want to ask. There are a gazillion ways in which he would argue that people try and connect with one another all the time. But the, but the truth is, if we miss those ones, we can be as close together. We can even sit in our workspaces and only be one meter apart, but be completely out of sync because we never exchange anything beyond the ordinary and the mundane. So a work colleague comes back and says, you know, I was in the boss's office just a minute ago. I asked him about the photograph. I said, is that your kid in the photograph? He just said, no. I don't like him that much. This doesn't, I don't know, it just doesn't feel like we connect at all. A little child walks into the room and says, I hate school. You can respond and say, hey, you shouldn't hate school. You should love school. But miss the entire idea that what the kid was trying to do is just express some emotions about having a bad day. You failed to connect with it because you misunderstood that it wasn't about school so much, but about what was going on in their world. In fact, the the revolutionary thing that, that John Gottman found when he was looking and observing couples for hundreds of hours, he said the theory in the 1990s was that what really took people and saved their marriages and made them even better in relation with one another was that they would have moments in which they would deeply reveal themselves to one another. Guys, I know we just love that, don't we? The idea of if I could just deeply reveal myself to Mrs. Luscious Lips, then we're going to go real deep. Yeah, but what he discovered is that when he observed couples, there was really little of this long, deep revelation of self. What it had to do more of with was everyday, normal, mundane exchanges of, oh, what was your day like? Oh, that's an interesting, that's a really, not interesting, that's a really nice dress you've got on. Oh, what what are you, yeah, see, I'm learning, I'm learning, whoo, man. I love it. It matches your eyes. But my eyes are brown and the dress is, dress is green. Didn't you know? <laughs> anyway, any of those. Since there's exchanges going on between friends and work colleagues and students all of the time in the mundane. If someone actually makes a bid, takes time to recognize that, just to respond to it in some way that says, I'm interested in you. And reacting in some way. That's the stuff that builds and bonds and meaningfulness in relationships all of the time. In fact, he said there's three ways in which they observed happens in relationships. The ones that, that turn towards someone makes a bid and they say, how was your day? He said there's three things you can do at that stage. How was your day? You could turn it away from them, which he said sucks the oxygen out of relationships, destroys bonds quicker than anything. He says, you can just ignore that person. Just ignore them. So the second thing you can do is turn against them. How was your day? It's hectic. I was hoping that you'd actually call me today. 
and connect. With my time, don't be ridiculous. Bang. Or he said you could positively engage and turn towards and exchange just for a moment. It doesn't have to be long, but just to let the other person know I'm interested. How was your day? Oh, it was hectic. Well, I was dealing with some stuff today. I was hoping that I could perhaps call you and talk to you. Well, why didn't you? Oh, because you, I know you're really busy. No, that's okay. You, could, you can do that. It's okay to call me. I don't have all the time, but I'm, I'm happy to. I want to know what's going on. So easy to do, and yet he would argue that there are countless bids that are made all the time that we just miss because we're too preoccupied with different things that we're doing all around about us. Making time has not only got to do with more time, but it's got to understanding it's about meaningful time. And when you give your time to someone else in simple exchanges, a smile, a gesture, a pat on the back, a shake of the hand to say, I'm here, I'm with you, I'm interested. He said, that's the stuff that builds and builds and builds so much into relationships that even when the war comes... People can deal with it and navigate more easily because they've got a bank of emotional connections that they've made in random small ways all the time to actually help you sail through that moment. Am I making sense this morning? Are you here with me this morning? That's the stuff that builds and bonds relationships like nothing else. Wow. Ask that same group of people. What's the greatest inhibitor for you making meaningful contact with another person? You understand the biggie. I'm busy. That was number one. But then as they dug down, people shared things like, I resented them. I didn't like what they were doing, so I didn't want to join them. I don't like what they like. I'm too busy doing my hobbies. I actually don't want to put myself out. I've got my own agenda of stuff. It's not important to me. The real. There's a part in the Bible, in the book of Philippians, that is a letter that was written to some people, followers of Jesus, who lived in this place called Philippi. And this is what the guy who wrote it by the name of Paul, he actually says to them. And they've come from all different cultures and spaces, some Jewish, some Gentile, that is for non-Jewish people, different culture, different ages, different socioeconomic positions, male and female. And this is what he writes. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with King Jesus, that is, from the moment that you got to know Jesus and placed your faith and your trust in him and you kind of formed together as a new family, a new unit from all different persuasions, he said, if you have any encouragement from being united around Jesus, if there's any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, his spirit that fills people and gives them his heart, any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one of mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. That's not suggesting for a moment that you are a lesser, but what it's saying is that when you look at someone else, no matter what persuasion they come from, you look at them as a superior, someone you want to set the dining table out for and clean up the house because they're just as important as anyone else. Not looking to your own interests, but to each of you, to the interests of the others. I find that fascinating. 
Because here's an instruction that says at the heart of it, I want you to pay attention not just to your own needs if you're going to make this community thing work. I want you to pay attention to the other person's interests at well. Wow. So here's the real kicker. Is that Jesus, it says, came to earth to actually, if you like, destroy and break the power of the most single contagious quality, if you like. It's a contagion. It's a disease that has infected all of us, that restricts us and stops us, if you like, from exchanging with love and interest to someone else. And the Bible has a simple word for it, and it's called sin. What is that? It's, It's the idea of living life with I in the middle. I want me first. I want away me first. Jesus came so that he might die and break the power of that and infuse people with a new love and a new life so that people and their minds and their hearts will be shifted and changed so that they would start to look to someone else's interests. How was your day today? It was really good. How was yours? It's a bit tough. Not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. We're going to finish with a song this morning. So coming up, crew. And as we do, I wonder here this morning, if you might be hearing God speak to you about being out of sync. Are you out of sync with a relationship, a friendship, a partnership? And well, God might be asking you to do something about that today. And you're still hanging on to the suitcase saying, it's them, it's them, it's them. And all the time, God might be saying to you, what about you? What about your stuff? You might want to say, well, where do I go with that? It's a powerful passage in the Bible, and it says this. God opposes the proud, but gives his grace to the humble. What does that mean? It means if you want to change, you've got to die. You've got to die to your own self that says, I want, I want, me first, me first, me first. And say, God, I want to humble myself before you. And I want to ask that you might give me your grace, that is your power, your supernatural ability to do what I cannot do for myself. And now may you be at work in me. So that I will take the high road. So I will look to someone else's interest. So that I will. God opposes the proud. But he gives his grace. That's a promise. To the humble. Alrighty. It's going to be a worship song right now. I find one of the most powerful ways, me personally, to humble myself is when I engage musically in singing to God. This idea that God, you are God and I'm not. You are the perfect one, I'm the imperfect one. Would you fill me up with your love, with your life, with you, so that I might shine you more? I'm going to have an opportunity for you to respond in that way, but also to do something else. We've got all these purple bands. All around the room, there's some there, there's some there. The guys are sitting on them, it's cool. We've got some over here, and there's some down the front here. 
What I'm going to invite you to do is, if you'd like, to remind you of this whole series. Is, and it says, make time, not war. And your stuff, my stuff. These bands aren't supposed to be taken and given to someone else. Here, Gavin, this is your problem. You need to get something with your stuff, right? Nor is this to be used to go, you know what? This is my stuff, but you, 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 you've got your stuff. You need to, yeah, yours. No. This would be picked up by someone who says, I want to come before God humbly and say, there's my stuff. And Jesus, I'm tired of controlling. I'm tired of being proud. I want to humble myself. Would you give me your love and your life to be at work in me? In fact, I'm just going to stand over here with Bron. And if anyone would like to just have some prayer. If you want to get up out of your chair, just come and take one. Just a reminder to you, I want to wear that this week so that when I, yeah, yep. For you, it might be, you need to schedule time this week. A colleague. You need to do some more turning towards when someone's bidding for you and you need to give them your time, positive time. Maybe you need to forgive someone and it's hard. Come and receive prayer. Maybe for you, it's I'm just going to humble myself. As these guys sing, I'd invite you to worship. And also, jump up out of your chair. Come and grab one of these bands. Wear it as a reminder. God wants us to be in sync. That's what Jesus made possible, for us to be in sync with God, so we can be in sync with others as well. Why don't you respond?